if you like betting on golf. But everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved. With all the stats and the tips and so much more, cause it's the golf betting system, the golf betting system, it's the Greetings, welcome to the Golf Betting System podcast. It's episode 278. This is our 2023 Open to France Bets pod. Barry O'Hanrahan and Paul Williams join me, Steve Bamber, to discuss our selection for this week's DP World Tour action from Paris. Good morning, gents. Morning, guys. Morning, guys. Please subscribe to this podcast as you drive the popularity of the show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gambler aware. You can visit gamblerware.org for more info. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world-famous golf betting systems website where we have Paul's in-depth betting preview for the Open de France. We've got strokes, gained rankings. We've got course form stats combined with current form stats. Plus, of course, our predictor model for Le Golf National. All of this content, like this podcast, they're completely free of charge with no paywall. We're available on X. Barry's at a good talk golf. Paul is at Golf Betting. I am at Bamford Golf. Now, I've got an announcement. We have no five-star reviews to read. Can you believe it? I can't remember a time when we haven't had any five-star reviews, gentlemen. Mm. I was actually adding up um, earlier how many reviews we've had over the time. We've got well over 430 reviews across the US, UK, Ireland, Australia, Canada. So I was thinking... We haven't got many shows left and the sort of golfing calendar's just tailing off. If you guys out there could produce another 13 to 15 reviews over our final six to seven shows, that'd be absolutely fabulous. Just drive that over 450 reviews total. So all you need to do when you leave a review, just make sure you leave your name and where you are in the review. And if you leave one for us this week... In all likelihood, I'll be reading it out at the start of next week's show. So keep those reviews coming. They're very important, actually, because they basically help with the visibility of the podcast. No reviews from you guys, and that visibility starts to disappear. So some reviews would be very nice on Apple Podcasts, please. Right. We were at Wentworth last week, chaps. Yep. Did, did you get home okay, Barry? On your Everything ran smoothly on your return to Ireland? Except the weather. In Ireland, yeah, everything ran really great. Got back, went to the golf course to play, and it rained. So it was, um, yeah, it was an interesting juxtaposition versus the day before, which was 25 degrees, sunny, Wentworth, hanging out with you boys, having some drinks, watching some golf. It was um, it was a great Friday. You did mention while we were on the course, Barry, didn't you, that um, the weather was particularly poor back at home with a with a little smile on your face. And you, yeah. And you, and you got it first hand the following day. Hard to suppress that. Yeah, I think it was sort of the same system that was swinging around that ended up having the impact on uh, Wentworth on Sunday. It did, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, made it pretty soggy on Sunday, didn't it? I can't. Yeah, I can't imagine it would have been fun playing out of any rough on Sunday. Um, mm. That was. I mean, that was really amazing for to to me how they, the way they set it up, and that grass was just lush and dense and thick and like it was. Um, I thought one of the interesting conversa- most interesting conversations we had was about how the the cooler temperatures overnight mean that that course stays kind of damper until maybe yeah. noon um maybe one o'clock uh if the weather comes out you know sorry if the mm-hmm. sun is out so that, that any grass around the greens or off the fairways is just thick and really like ankle high or above ankle high and yeah. so that kind of merged with um what you kind of said paul that there was a lot of good scoring comes in wentworth from anybody who starts late morning lunchtime onwards mm. yeah yeah, and that kind of stood out when I looked at the first round leader, first round leader stats for um, for last week because there's the, there's kind of this sweet spot from noon till kind of twelve thirty, twelve fifty um, of tee times that had been getting into the uh, the first round leader positions, which you know 
if, if you look at a re- regular course of conditions are pretty flat, then you tend to err on the side of early starters simply because the greens are, you know, they've got they've got less traffic across them and um, they tend to be in slightly better condition. But as you said, from the you know from the dew because there was no rain when we were there, and from the dew overnight, it was still wet and um you just didn't want to be in that rough did you you know any time in the in the mornings particularly because it was uh it, it was tricky mm. and it was thick as well you know as, as thicker there this week than i recall it over the last few years that we've uh we've been going so uh a good test and perhaps um perhaps a sign that they'll continue to uh yeah kind of just pare back the scores a little bit at uh, wentworth um and and make it a little bit of a trickier test because it had become um, you know, not quite a birdie fest, but when when you're edging up to twenty under par each and every time, then uh, it takes takes away a little bit of the uh, challenge. I think. Certainly yeah. thought. Um, I really liked how it played this week. If if you were hitting it very well and accurately tee to green, a really good score was available. But you know, mm. a little bit off, and you know, scoring becomes becomes uh, tricky. And I think they had a really nice balance to how it was set up. Um, I I wonder if there's any influence on how they set that up um, compared to how Marco Simone is going to play. You know, we've all seen the crazy videos of the rough and Marco Simone. I wonder how much you can get the two of them playing with similar characteristics. That that, that kind of was my thought about the you know with the how high the rough was, but there's probably a little bit of mm-hmm. defense of Wentworth itself, and it's not all about the Ryder Cup. Um, mm-hmm. Really enjoyed it. Course looked absolutely amazing. As to be fair, it always does look incredible when you know when you're on the ground there. You know, fairways look like carpets, and it's uh, it's a really nice place to spend a Friday and walk around. Yep, no, it's great stuff. I, I I think there's probably an element of truth in what you say, Barry. I expect um, you know, if if Luke could have any influence whatsoever about the setup, then getting it just slightly tougher, particularly with all twelve of his team members there in attendance, getting it to a, a position where it's going to start to to get players into the right kind of mindset for uh, for Rome, then uh, yeah, I, that would have done no harm whatsoever. I don't think to the to the European team. Hopefully, give them a, just a that little bit of an extra boost ahead of uh, ahead of next week. Ryan Fox, the eventual winner, finished mm. like a train, didn't he? He did, he did. We we, we saw a little bit of Fox, didn't we? I, mm. You know, he was in one of the groups where there was virtually nobody watching him on the on the first couple of days. But uh, yeah, a difficult one to pick out. And you know, even though he'd finished third the week before the Irish Open, he kind of again he didn't push on at the Irish Open. Um, on the Sunday, which is kind of what Ryan Fox does. And then when he made that early treble bogey on um, on Sunday at Wentworth, that mm-hmm. was it. You know, you, you look at it and think, well, Fox has imploded. That was kind of kind of expected. But um, I, I guess he mentally had lost the tournament at that point and uh, just freed him up. And from there, just played some of the best. I think you, you, if you read some of the transcripts from his um, interview afterwards, he said he played the, the you know the, the best golf of of his life um, from there on in uh, to win by one. He was smashing it off the tee and straight as well, which isn't Ryan Fox. No, but if you look at the Irish Open stats, he was first for strokes gained off the tee. So mm. he had found something with his driver uh, in terms of you know, overall scoring capability with it there's uh, there's a story about his um, I think they'd lost his father-in-law quite recently and his mother-in-law was poorly and um, the family had come over for for Wentworth to, to have a bit of a break after a, a, you know a tough time over the summer and and um, again these intangible elements potentially all combining together and, uh, and galvanizing him down the straight down the, down the final nine and super impressive when it came to it particularly with the names that were bubbling up behind him on the leaderboard to, to, to see it over the line. Really good. Mm. The one that got me, and it got me on the course, as you guys know, is Aaron Rye. How how we didn't put him up last week when he was first for Tita Green the week before in Ireland and mm. lost 7.9 strokes putting. <coughs> I, was, uh, I was still scalding myself for not having Aaron Rye. 
But uh, we, as he uh, contended and had an eagle part to get into the playoff. <laughs> yeah. We've been there before, Steve. I've backed him before at Wentworth, and you and I have followed him round. And we saw again. We saw a bit of him on, on Friday, and when you you kind of just rolling your eyes when you see these three four footers missed. But then then we did the, the bits that we did see of him. He was seemingly making a few of those parts, and uh, for him, it's 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 on a knife edge. You know, when he makes those parts, away you go. He's, he actually gained. I was looking at this earlier. He actually gained just almost. Three, uh, three. Yeah, here we go. Two point zero eight five putts, or zero two point zero nine strokes game putting, and as ever, twelve and a half strokes tee to green. Yep, that's all you need from him. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. To, to be honest, though, when we when we saw him, we caught him for a few holes, and the eye test was not good. I mean, he hit two mm. really poor, slappy high right iron shots, like mid short irons. And he just kind of thought, well, maybe he's just not quite on it. And later on, that that was probably around what five, four, five, six, somewhere around that. Later on yeah. that round, he was fine. Just figured it yeah. out, and off he went. But based on seeing those couple of holes, there's no way I would have put money on him. That's no. just um, just figured it out, and off he goes. God, that put! I can't believe that put like just stayed out on him on eighteen. Such a good effort. Mm. But not good enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, that result from Ryan Fox in terms of this PGA Tour top ten non-exempt list is um, pretty devastating for a few. He's basically now jumped to the top of the pile because he's now up to third place in the race to Dubai total. McElroy, Ram, Fox, Moronk, Minwoo, Lee are the top five. So if you look at the PGA Tour side of things now. Bearing in mind, top 10 non-exempt on the Race to Dubai rankings at the end of the year get full PGA Tour cards. We've got Fox at three in the rankings, Moronk at four, Minwoo Lee at five, Victor Perez at, at six, and Alexander Bjork at seven. I mean, those guys are pretty... Um, they're all sorted. They're, they're going to be playing on the PGA Tour next year. Six is Robert McIntyre in that list. He's actually 10th in the rankings. Then we've got... Yost Lauten at 12, Tilbjorn Olsen at 13, Romain Langask jumps three spots to 14, which puts him in the ninth spot. And now sitting on the bubble is Yannick Paul. He's 17th in the rankings. Right behind him, Thriston Lawrence. Jorge, who we saw quite a lot of at Wentworth. Jorge Campillo, who we saw plenty of at Wentworth. Marcel Siem and Pablo Lorazabal. Mm. They're the four closest to breaking into that top ten. And there's not many points between them either. There's, it's no, it's tight. A, it's going to be a bit of a bit of a fight over the next few weeks. One to keep a close eye on, for sure. This means a huge amount to the so- to, to these guys to get on the PJ Tour because um, they're just showing Romain Langasque finish up on 18 on Sunday, made a birdie or a par putt. I can't actually remember what it was. It was about 10, 12 footer and gave a fist pump like mm. like you wouldn't believe. So it's, it's yeah. seriously, it's everything. And it's, it's, do you know what? As much as it's going to suck huge amounts of talent off the dp world tour it's a really cool subplot that happens during the season to there's something else other than just winning a tournament going on within a tournament so it's it just makes it there's just more layers of interest to the fan watching the game yep yep definitely just to end our wentworth segment um we met alex and alfie on the course didn't we yeah yeah two very nice gents so that was great. Got some positive feedback from those guys. Now, Alfie had a very interesting idea that he put to us, and he showed us his list of first-time major winners, which he, you know, as he watches golf, and he just adds to it and takes names away. It's future major winners. Oh, future major winners. Mm. Yeah, not first time. Future major winners. Which happened to be first time, I think, as well. So, but, you know, branding is important. (laughs) 
Amazingly enough, Ludwig Eiberg was uh, was the latest entry from Alfie onto that list. Hmm. It had some old classics on there, of course. Xander, Patrick Cantlay. We all chuckled. But I think that does actually... Uh, we're, we're thinking, listeners, of just having some non-tournament content moving forward. So, first time or future major winners... And we can debate those is a podcast that we may do in the near future. Mm. So uh, that's something that we'd get you guys involved with as well. So it was nice to meet Alex and Alfie. Uh, over in the PG on the PJ Tour, I actually landed another winner. Can you believe it? Yeah, fantastic stuff, Steve. So Heath Tigala. 21. Super pick. I did, I, yeah. It wasn't an outrageously um, difficult pick, but they all count, don't they? And it's, well, always lovely to get uh, these guys when they get over the line for the first time to uh, to be on board there and make them win and, and to call it right. Absolutely, you can do no more than that, Steve. So, uh, no, many congrats. Really, really good one um, to get on board with. I can remember landing Scheffler last year in 22 when he won the Phoenix Open and we, <laughs> before you know it, he was winning like every, didn't he yeah. win like four of the like next six or something crazy, including the Masters. Yeah, went on a tear, didn't he? And the world match play mm. became world number one. I'm not suggesting that we see that from Sahith, but Sahith's a cracking little player, you know. He reminds me, Barry, put, put me wrong on this, because he, he plays Max Homer courses very well, he does remind me slightly of Max Homer and the way he plays. I think Max is a better driver of the golf ball. But Sahith, from 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 the drive onwards, Tagala's approach and his his um his around the green game is so creative. And when he actually gets that putter working, he he can rack up some seriously good scores. And just where you look at where he's already played well on the PGA Tour. It tends to be your classical setups, your tree line setups, your old style courses. You know, you take him to somewhere like the Honda Classic where there's water everywhere, so he's more than likely missing the cut. Yeah. Or taking him to a birdie fest in the desert. But take him to a proper course, a proper challenge, mid score, you know, 15, 18 under. He's already, don't forget, landed a top 10 at the at the Masters this year. On course debut, so yeah, you, you can see Sahith um, having a a pretty good career and challenging for Presidents Cup and Ryder Cup spots moving forward for the Americans. What, what's your what do you think? I mean, he, to me, he's a little bit of a hit it hit it and find it kind of golfer. Like he's mm-hmm. you know hits it f- plenty far, um, but a little bit wild. So what like what what would mm-hmm. the signals be for future wins? Kind of wider courses with you know less penalty areas off the tee, and I mean well, he, he's amazing. Maybe that's. That's well, why maybe Augusta. that's why Augusta suited in Barrett. Just getting nice there. and wide off the tee. Yeah, just getting to that there. So uh, that could be one to watch out for. I'm especially if his game shows a bit of um, accuracy off the tee in, in a preceding week or one, you know, one or two rounds. Yes. Um, because his short game is elite <laughs> at, the, at least this year. Anyway, looking at it, and uh, very, very good putter. So people will shoot me down in flames. He reminds me slightly, and go with me on this. He reminds me slightly of a modern day Branch Schnedeker. I'd love to hear this. You're you're never going to have Sahith (laughs) Tagala, the sort that's, you know, number one T to green, Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm sort, but he's the sort of player that can play old style courses in an old fashioned way Mm. and get round with a hot putter and a very good short game. And if you if you're on a test where 73, 75% GIR is really getting you in contention rather than 80, you know, your eight, high 80s, and hitting fairways isn't that important, Tagala's a decent shout in my mind. As you said, Barry, the the, the reason I really got on him was actually his driver had straightened up in in the FedEx Cup playoffs. He'd actually been gaining strokes off the tee for quite a while. And that, as we know, I mean, we, I'm seeing here, like at the Memorial this year, he was minus five off the tee with the driver. 
That's how errant and flagrant he can be. But if you get some consistency with him off the tee, where he's not, you know, setting off destructive drives twice around, he's a decent player to follow Tigala, I think. Mm, yeah. What's for those trends with his long game? He also noted as well, and this is the kind of thing, like you said, Paul, about Ryan Fox and didn't he, you know, he has, he's had family problems and he's also just had a, a newborn, isn't he? There's these tiny intangibles. So he did mention that he was absolutely gutted that he'd finished 31st in the FedEx Cup playoffs and missed the Tour Championship by a spot. Mm. And that was a real motivator. It was like, yeah, come on in. It's it's time to turn up in California, my home state, and actually give it a real go. And you know, lo and behold, he goes and wins his first tour, tour title. So you know, it's these little details, isn't it, that you can kind of cling on to as a punter. Yeah, 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 definitely. Right, let's move forward. We've got a decent tournament this this week on the DP World Tour. There's no PGA Tour action. We've got the Ryder Cup next week. But uh, we've got the Open de France at the Golf National, just down the outskirts of Paris. In terms of best bookmaker for the 2023 Open de France, we're highlighting Bet365, who has ever had their each-way extra market available, which gives you the option to increase or decrease the number of places when you're betting pre-event on the ODF outright market. Right now, as we record the pod, they're offering extended market best odds and eight places each way on market leaders such as Tom Kim, 10 to 1 favourite. We've got Ryan Fox, 14 to 1. Aaron Rye, we've mentioned him earlier as well, 16 to 1. Paul's love crush on Billy Horshaw. Does that continue this week? He's a 20 to 1 chance. They also have Thriston Lawrence. We've just mentioned him in that race to get a PGA Tour spot. He's 80 to 1 this week at the ODF. He's as short as 66 to 1 with Skybet, both eight places each way at 150 odds. In terms of boosts, the player they are marking up this week, Min Woo Lee. Bet365 right now have boosted him from 12 to 1 to 14 to 1 to win the Open to France. We recommend Bet365 if you're 18 plus and do not have a Bet365 sports account. You can find details of their current bet £10, get £30 in free bets, new customer promotion. Plus a link through to that very offer with T's and C's in the podcast description. Don't forget to use the bonus code SPORT30 when registering. That's SPORT30 when registering. Right, Paul, take us through your views on the golf course, the golf national and where you're heading in terms of your tips this week from your preview. I will put, of course, a link to Paul's preview, the strokes gained ranking, and the uh, the course form and current form stats in the podcast description for everybody. Mm, yes. Um, yeah, so the Open de France. Actually, one of the events that I tend to enjoy more than the others. I guess with so much history um, and course history for us to go through it's one of those that you can kind of dig into one of those courses we remember as well of course with the um, uh, the Ryder Cup here in 2018 which is nice and fresh in everyone's mind still um, particularly ahead of next week's affair talking of the Ryder Cup of course we had 12 of the all 12 of the Ryder Cuppers um, at Wentworth last week nearly all of them had disappeared the only one that's left is uh, Robert McIntyre he, uh, he, I guess he must like to keep himself um, busy before a big event, um, whereas the other guys are going off and uh, doing whatever they're doing, a bit of practice or a bit of downtime. Um, decent enough field, though, and you, you've run through a, a, a fair few of the uh, the guys at the top. I'll just give you a flavour of some of the others just to put it all into context. Uh, Tom Kim, as you said, 10-1. to 1. Minwoo Lee, 12s generally. Last week's winner, Fox, 14-1. to 1. Aaron Rye, 16-1. to 1. Um, Alexander Bjork, 20 to 1. Uh, Thomas Detry, Billy Horschel, 22s. Jordan Smith, 25. Uh, Yannick Paul, the bubble man, as you described him a few minutes ago, 28 mm. to 1. Uh, 33 to 1 bar. So some decent players, a decent uh, decent enough field for what is a regular DP World Tour event. Now, the Albatross course, um, Le Golf National, 
uh, in Paris and France. 7,247 yard par 71 stadium style course. And as I said, it's been a regular on the tour for many years now. So there is plenty of data to pour through um, on the website this week, either in the event stats or the combined stats with uh, current form. Both well worth looking at because there's there's plenty to, to review. Um, it's an exposed, yeah, often described as a, kind of a, an inland linksy feel to the course. Uh, water in play on a number of the holes and uh, it tends to set up as a as a pretty tricky test here uh, regardless of whether it's wet or dry i guess at the late latter end of the year as we've been playing now there's a there's a risk it's um a little bit softer than it would be if it was in the depths of summer but it's been pretty been pretty dry over in paris um, and in france generally and i suspect it's going to play um you know reasonably firm reasonably fast um, unless there's a, an absolute deluge now the weather does look a bit mixed actually <laughs> saying all that it, there, there, there might be a little bit of cut in the uh, in the grass showery rain expected for the first couple of days at 10 to 15 mile an hour breeze for for thursday and friday actually the first forecast i saw for this last week suggested it was going to be far far windier which would have been um which would have made it really interesting there. Um, you know, a, a windy Le Golf National could be um, could be really gnarly, but it doesn't look quite that bad. Ten to fifteen mile an hour breeze, much much nicer over the weekend. Sunny, calm temperatures into the low seventies Fahrenheit, so it's a low twenties centigrade. So. So yeah, I we'll see if the rain that does come, um, if it has any material impact, um, which could just take the zip out of the fairways and the greens to a certain extent. But um, it tends to be set up quite firm and fast anyway. So hopefully, um, it is still a bit of a challenge for the players this week, which I expect it will be. It always does tend to be. Uh, to give you a flavour of previous winners, uh, let's go back to twenty ten. Miguel Angel Jimenez, eighty to one that year. Uh, 2011, Thomas Levey, 140 to one. Marcel CM won at 70 to one. Then we've got a couple of wins from GMAC, 25 to one. Defended the year after in 2014 at 12 to one. Bernd Wiesberger, 33s. Tongchai Jai D, 66 to one in 2016. Um, Tommy Fleetwood, 22 to one in 2017. Alex Noren the year later, 16 to one. Nicholas Colsart's 100 to 1 in 2019. Then with a couple of years gap um, due to COVID. And then Guido Migliozzi won last year at 80 to 1. So uh, there are some shorter prices dotted in there, but there's plenty of uh, winners in that kind of punting sweet spot of what, 25 to 1 up to 100 to 1 or thereabouts it's one of those events that you can kind of get your teeth into from a punting perspective and pick some uh, some good each way chances that do have a good chance of winning uh, in terms of winning scores generally we're looking kind of 10 to 12 under that often is good enough around here in regular conditions Guido last year um, 16 to 1 is a bit of an outlier um, in tougher years we've seen single figure wins uh, particularly in the kind of years when uh, Graham McDowell was dominating around here there were some tougher years there but generally and I suspect that's kind of where we'll go this week um, 10 11 12 maybe 13 under that could be the the kind of number that we're looking for for a winner on Sunday evening plenty of stats to or plenty of traditional stats at least um to to pour over as well again I've listed all the way back to 2010 on the on my preview if you're um that way inclined to dig through the data generally high greens and regulation tends to work if you look at some of the names Colsarts, Fleetwood Wiesberger um they're the high greens and regulation merchants and that's the way that they tended to get over the line here Scrambling is also really important here. Guido, last year, he led the field for scrambling over the course of the week. And if you look at some of the, the other recent enough winners, then they've tended to um, tended to do really well around the greens in particular. Uh, bogey avoidance then, that tends to come out as one of the key stats. Um, so making sure you keep your card as clean as possible it tends to override birdies to a certain degree here so um, if you're keeping your card clean and just picking up the odd birdie here or there to, to kind of slowly meander towards that uh, double digits under par that tends to be a better way to attack this course rather than 
um, just kind of boom bust birdie bogey eagle bogey kind of uh, approach which uh, probably won't work I don't think We've got some strokes gain data. Um, it is aggregated on the website. There's only two years worth, so it's relatively patchy. Um, of course, next year we'll have the benefit of this year as well, so it should start to form a little bit stronger. Um, Guido, last year, first for strokes gained approach, third for strokes gained tee to green. Colsarts back in 2019, seventh for strokes gained approach, second for strokes gained tee to green. So very consistent approach, tee to green. I think that is a pretty strong template for the kind of winner that we should expect to see this week. It's not to say putters can't get into the mix, and we've seen some. Um, JB Hansen was a, a good example back behind Nicholas Colsarts in 2019, where someone who um, is an excellent putter, has a really good putting week, can just about find themselves in with a chance of winning. But generally, it's tended to be the the guys with the uh, the better approach game, the better strokes game, tee to green game, the higher greens and regulation, and those who've scrambled well on the week who tend to get over the line. Other than that, I mean, incoming forms a real mixed bag, and go back all the way. It, there's ten, you know, there's been players who are in form, out of form. Guido, he had made five cuts on the trot, but nothing better than thirteenth um, over his last uh, few starts. Nicholas Colsarts at a top twenty recently. That was about it, and this kind of washes through in the winning prices, eighty, hundred to one for the last two guys. Um, there's the odd player there that did have some decent enough form coming in but um, it's not the be all and end all here nor is pretty, yeah, a really strong course form um, Tong Jai Jai Di and Alex Noren they both had consecutive top 10s before winning here Tommy Fleetwood um, he'd missed four cuts out of four attempts here before winning so he was the kind of one you'd look at um, on the on the stat sheets miscut, 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 miscut and you know, at the price, what was he, 22 to 1, Tommy? It was one that you could easily leave alone. And then it just clicked. He worked it out. Guido, he'd missed his cut here in his only start. Um, but uh, yeah, then, then turned that around the following, uh, following time. No debutant winner here since Pablo Larathabel back in 2008, um, which is an interesting point. Does make for an interesting dilemma. For the guys at the top of the market, I must say. And this kind of helped shape where I've gone this week because I was seriously tempted to go for um to, to go for Tom Kim because I think the course will suit him. Um Mimu Lee, and I know you were on him last week, Steve, weren't you? Mm. Um he's an odd one, Lee, because I think if the conditions had been a little bit tougher, it'd have been a little bit windier. Um, I, I could have been really quite tempted with Lee, but given that the weekend's going to be relatively calm, um, I think that I think it just plays away from his strengths to a certain degree. And these guys, Kim and Mimu Lee, are both making the debuts this week. Um, and you know, when push comes to shove, at ten to one, twelve to one, I can I can leave them alone. If one of them wins, one of them wins. Um, Billy Horshaw, we mentioned, um, he's also making his debut this week. And um, I've just about managed to wean myself off him, Steve. You'd be glad to hear. And oh, uh, Billy, <laughs> yeah, no, no Billy on the staking plan this week. Um, so yeah, I've, I've, I, I can I can leave myself alone with Kim and Lee. Um, Billy, yeah, I, I'm I'm not in there this week. Does Roy, Ryan Fox really go back to back? It's a big ask, I think, at the top of the market. Aaron Ride, two missed cuts from two attempts here. So if he's going to win this week. And I can see people going for him again. You, you've got the logic with the long game and um, showed some form, showed enough form last week to suggest that he's playing well enough to contend here. Um, but you look at his course form and uh, it's a little off-putting, miscut, miscut. He's got to follow the Tommy Fleetwood route. I guess if I was going to go with one near the top of the market, then it would have been Alexander Bjork. But his price has been slashed versus last week. It's about a third of the price of last week. And... Yeah, I, I, I've just I've gone for a slightly different approach this week. I've gone for a team of four, all a bit deeper in the betting, um, and see if we can get one of these nice mid-price winners or a couple of decent each-way places out of them um, this week. We shall see. Now I've got, as I say, I've got four. One of them 
well, it started yesterday at 50s and it's been locked in. And the rest are over 50. So I'll, I'll go through my top selection and I'll bring you guys in with any you've got that are under 50 or 50 to 1 or shorter. And then we'll go from there. The one that I've backed, or the shortest one I've backed, is Adrian Otegi. Now, he was 50 to 1 early doors. 40 to 1 has been tipped in a few other places as well. So And quite rightly so, I think. And as you guys will know, I've been back in Otegi for um, a fair bit this season, you know, particularly when I think it's a suitable test. And I think this is another course that uh, that suits his game. Fourth at Galgorham Castle, last time I backed him, and that was behind Dan Brown, who won for us at 66s. Um, he was second at the KLM Open before that. That's another, um, of course, that's kind of got an inland linksy feel to it seventh to halfway at the open championship so there's some decent form there solid since nothing spectacular but making cuts solidly um statistically is this this is where it really fits for Tegi. first for driving accuracy for the season fourth for strokes gained approach eighth for strokes gained tee to green second for scrambling on the dp world tour that is a full house for me. Can win on tough courses. He won by six at Valderrama last October. If you're going to go and prove that you can win and succeed on a um, tricky test, then lapping the field at Valderrama is an incredibly big tick in the box for me. 7th, 12th and 13th here at the Golf National from his last four starts. Ategi for me has got a really big chance of, uh, of beating those guys and there are plenty uh, that sit above him in the market this week uh, as I say best price right now 40 to 1 now all the rest of mine are longer than or all the 66s or longer so Barry you got any that are 50 or less that you're going with this week I might I might actually have two which is the world has flipped on its head if this is what's happening I'm going shorter <laughs> than 50s uh, I was look, haven't placed bets yet, but the the list is narrowing, and I'm looking at Jordan Smith and Thorbjorn Olsson at the moment at the under fifties market. Mm. Yeah, I can see Smith. Smith fits from a from a long game perspective. Um, Olsson, I I don't know. I, again, I've seen him tipped, and um, yeah, not not to put you off him. Um, when I backed him a couple of weeks ago, he's Hutting was absolutely dog awful. Now he improved last week, so it's one of those things with Olsen where um, he, you know, he's either hot or not. And when he's hot, it's uh, you know, it's really good. Um, I was I was watching him missing kind of eighteen inch putts and two foot putts and three foot putts for fun. It was it was incredibly painful, but yeah, um, he did seem to sort something out last week. So so perhaps you're absolutely right there, Barry. Well, Aaron Rye lost how many strokes gained the week before in Ireland, Steve, uh, and then nearly wins in Wentworth. So, Allison uh, yeah. yeah. was 12th for strokes game putting last week. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm finding it hard to differentiate between anybody from that 20 to 50 range. I mean, I could just throw a few of them in there and be reasonably okay with having them backed. So, I, I've kind of, I suppose... Th- that's a factor of looking at people's history on this course and there's very few people with a clean record of made cuts around Le Golf National, which shows mm. you how tricky a golf course it is and they can just yeah. it can just hit anybody it, at any time no matter how well you're playing. Isn't it isn't it a bit like your typical PGA national yeah. sawgrass kind of you can you can eject here very, mm-hmm. very easily. Yeah, very easy ejection very golf course. Yeah, yeah. If you're not quite right, if the game's not quite right, yeah. or you make a, you know, you, you're going to struggle to continue. You know, if you find yourself way off the pace, it's, it's not a course when you can go out there and rattle off, um, you know, birdie after birdie. And, and Guido's final round last year was a real outlier because it was so good. It really was an incredible round, um, for him to come through the field and to win. Um, the, the the manner that he did, but generally, um, you know, plodders are going to prosper here. Um, is, is the kind of overriding thought that I would have. Mm-hmm. What about you, Steve? Got any under or fifties or under? I haven't actually. That's that's rare for me. No, it's good. It's good. It does, I'm it, trying to keep my money dry. 
<laughs> I don't really have a clue who's going to win, if I'm being absolutely 100%. I don't really know. Yeah, it's a tricky one. I'll take you through the longer ones that I've got, and then we can uh, we can talk about some longer prices then that you guys might have. Um, Julian Brune, I've backed at 70 to 1. Um, is another one that I prefer on tougher tests. Uh, last couple of years, eighth at the Belfry, third at Mauritius, fifth at the Dubai Desert Classic, seventh at the Kenya Open. Uh, decent efforts as he looks for his first win at this level. Got three wins on the Challenge Tour over the years. Solid form recently, 25th into the Czech Republic, uh, 16th in the at the Irish Open, 35th last week at Wentworth. And it was kind of flirting with the uh, the the con- yeah, semi-contending positions for for a while at, uh, at Wentworth, uh, just slightly under the radar. Thirteenth here last year. You open with a sixty-six, and for me, it's another one that fits statistically. Twelfth on tour for strokes gained approach, and has that decent short game to to back that up as well. So quite happy to go with Brune this week. Uh, Jorge Campillo, who we mentioned before, um, 66 to 1 right now. Uh, the early price, 75 to 1, was snaffled up really quite quickly yesterday. Uh, and we did see a bit of uh, Campillo as we were walking around Wentworth. He's, he's one who's been playing some some pretty tidy stuff in general um, of late. He's got lots to fight for as well. He was on that list that you mentioned earlier um, of players who can uh, quite reasonably gain a PGA Tour card at the end of the season. It's a mm. big carrot for these guys. And I make him 12th in that list, which I think where you where you'd put him, which um, you know, he's right on the cusp of it if he can have a, a good end to these final half dozen or so events on the DP World Tour. Uh, he won in Kenya earlier this year, and that was his third win on tour. And if you look at his other two wins, he won in Morocco at nine under. He won in Qatar at 13 under. Both of them absolutely spot on in terms of winning totals for this test this week i think and i think it's better when it's tougher you know and that kind of um kind of borderline technical to lower mid score kind of level um but you know certainly better than it is when it's when it's a birdie fest out there first for driving accuracy last week at wentworth um his putter was pretty cold he finished 28th overall and he returns to what he's previously described as his favorite course uh, three top three top eighteen finishes here over the years. Loves the loves the layout. I think Campillo could go well. And I also think Richie Ramsey could go well. Sixty six to one again, he's been nibbled in. Um Richie had to do a bit of soul searching with his game, with his coach after missing the cut across Soussier. And he seems to be in a much more positive frame of mind and uh, you know, shape of game now as well, I think. Um could well push forward this week. 28th last week at Wentworth, much improved over where he'd been the last couple of weeks before that and could have been far better as well. He opened with a 66 and uh, it was only a couple of loose errors, loose holes um, at the back end of a couple of his rounds on the final final few holes that really stopped him from being far, far closer to the lead by the end of the week. So um, I think there's something bubbling under with Richie Ramsey. He won the Kazoo Classic last year. Uh, last July, um, since then, 7th at the Sudel Open, 5th at the Volvo Mixed, 3rd at the Made in Himmerland this season. And generally playing well this year. Uh, game to suit here, 5th here twice over the years. 52nd currently in the race to Dubai. We talk about these 10 tour cards. Some of the other guys are still trying to battle to make it through to the DP World Tour Championship. Um, a number of them are still trying to battle to pit, secure their playing privileges, their DP World Tour tour card for next year as well so lots of individual targets over the next few weeks for a number of players and uh, and Richie will be keen to, to put one final effort in I think to make sure that he gets to Dubai this year for the big bucks at the end of the season but then my four Ramsey, Campillo Julian Brune and Adrian Ategi so any bombs for you Barry any longer than that uh, I'm with you on Julian Brun. Just yeah, li- liking the the merging of stats, mm. where he's at, course form. So yeah, not much more to add there. Um, I might actually detract from your argument or case that you made from. So I'll say nothing more and move on. Um, <laughs> I, beyond beyond that, no, I'm kind of on those three. I think I'm settling on those three: Smith, Allison, and Brun, and just leave it at that because it's. 
I'm just, yeah, I kind of feel like I'm where Steve is. I'm just a little vague on any confidence in backing somebody. You know, maybe maybe Romain Langasque was a little bit interesting based on his motivation, but then how much, when you're involved in those scraps to get into, um, you know, the next level of something, like let's say making the FedEx uh, Cup Finals or making it into the GP World Tour Finals, or in this case, trying to get his PGA Tour card. I think mm-hmm. when you're in deep in that scrap, it removes um, a, a bit of your ability to win the tournament because you just get dragged into it. And it's it. I just, uh, for, for that reason, I might not back him and just watch him, see how he goes. Yeah. I, with Langask, it, it looks like he's he's pulled out overnight, so that takes that dilemma out of your mind, Barry. Oh, that was that was good. That was uh, okay. <laughs> uh, no, no particular reason that I've seen with Langask, but he's been dropping off the uh, off the odds. So um, I, I suspect we'll find no tea time when it's announced in a few hours' time. Fair enough. But maybe, yes. maybe maybe just sacrificing a week here, so to save himself being punished by the golf course. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, yeah. It's it's an odd one because, as you say, he's, uh, you know, he seems to have a lot to fight for at the moment and seems mm-hmm. motivated in that respect. But perhaps there's a little niggle in there or something. Uh, difficult to tell. Excellent. Um, also, and any any bets for you at all then, Steve? This week? Yeah, I've had I had I had two yesterday at ridiculously strong prices. I thought uh, my old muck of Thristran Lawrence. He drifted to a hundred to one on William Hill, eight places each way yesterday. So I snapped that up. Mm. Um, in this fight to get a PGO to a card, uh, third at the Irish Open, start before last, seventh for T to Green that particular week. Uh, he won in Germany earlier this year. Um, you actually just look at his record. He's won in Germany at thirteen under. And he's also won that Amiga European Masters last year. So he, he wins big tournaments. Mm. Decent in Europe. Uh, you look at his record. When he starts driving the ball well, it's when the, it's when the wins and the top threes seem to come. So I'm going to write off last week at Wentworth. And I think Lawrence at 100-1. to 1, That's a big price for me on a, on a player that is a known quantity winner in this field. Yeah, he can win. And the other one I took. Now, this guy's in a bit of limbo, if you remember, because going way on, way back, it wasn't way back at all. Cast your mind back. We had a winner with Vincent Norman at the Barbasol Championship over in the States. Mm -hmm. And he got to a playoff with Nathan Kimsey. Now, I noticed Kimsey last week. He played with Hatton and John Rahm in one of the late groups on Sunday. And it, you know, it wasn't a huge surprise that he kind of just paddled water and had a poor start and didn't get involved in actually contending in the tournament. But clearly playing some good stuff. He was sixth on approach last week. 17th for T to Green, Nathan Kimsey. Mm. And he's in this kind of limbo because they've offered him special temporary membership of the PGA Tour. And then apparently he was struggling to get any kind of invites into any tournaments. So he hasn't actually accepted that special temporary membership. At the moment, he's plugging away on the DP World Tour. And it's just interesting what he did last year on the European Challenge he won in France at the uh, Le Vendrie Golf Challenge. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he also won the challenge to a grand final, which I, they played out in Barcelona, Paul. Uh, it's in Spain somewhere, yeah. It's Spain somewhere, isn't it? Yeah. So he's, he's got a decent, you know, he can play golf on the mainland Europe, no problem at all. I just think Kimsey, I could see him being a sort that, that goes well this week. I managed to grab 70-1 to 1 again with William Hill, eight places each way on Kimsey yesterday afternoon. He's been backed in from there. I think the biggest you'll get now on him is 60s. He's mainly 50s and 55s. So there are my two, Kimsey and Thriston. I've been working on that one, chaps. Thriston Lawrence, <laughs> the, uh, the, the beefy South African. Yeah, we should have stopped him and asked him actually how to 
genuinely pronounce his name because I've seen a number of people call him Tristan as well. So Tristan, Tristan. Anyway, we all know who he is, don't we? Certainly yeah. a winner. Certainly, certainly a guy who can get over the line as he's proven a number of times in the last couple of years. Well, the thing that grabbed my mind when I was reading your preview for first thing yesterday, it, you know, you as you said, you do get this this spot here, this juicy spot that we like, where you get get some. You know, it's one of those ones where after the event you slap your forehead, going, "Oh, he's a good player for that price." Mm. So that's kind of where I've pitched it: seventy to one with Kimsey and a hundred to one with Lawrence. That's me. Very good. Then I think we're done. Quick show this week, chaps. Yep. Yep. Next week, we're going to... Are we... I take it we're doing a Ryder Cup podcast. It'd be be remiss of us not to, yes? Yeah. uh, We don't tend to do any written previews for the Ryder Cup and just chew the fat over a podcast. And there will be some... um, stats on the website for um, individual player performances um, if you are betting on the top uh, point score markets for instance so do pop along to the site anyway and then uh, we'll, we'll just chat about our thoughts for the uh, event on the pod next week we've got you can actually back now the USA at evens and we are five to four. That's how it's closed over the last couple of weeks. Mm. Much that's closer. pretty mad. It is, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a coin toss. It is, yeah. And the way the market's going, you could see them being uh, co-favourites 11 to 10, couldn't you? Potentially, yeah. With the, um, Absolutely. With the, with the draw in there being the uh, party pooper. Mm. You got it. 12 to 1. I hope your bets go well, chaps. Yeah, best of luck, boys. Good luck, guys. Good luck. Best of luck to listeners. We'll be back next week with our Ryder Cup podcast. I hope your bets go well. See you next week. If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system It's the golf betting system Podcast